What's up, everybody? Happy Monday, September 6th. It's Labor Day, which means it is a day of rest from all of the work that we did. And the Virginia Tech Hokies went to work on the Tar Heels this weekend. First top 10 win in Lane Stadium since 2009. And we're here to finally, finally talk about it. I am so excited. I am here. I am back in sunny San Diego after leaving Charlotte on a seven o'clock flight. Grayson is still in Richmond and Pat is in Charlotte. And this is our first post-game breakdown of the 2021 season. We could not be more excited to be here with you all. And the engagement on social media, whether you have it, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram has been popping off. And we have multiple, multiple, multiple hokey haiku submissions that we are going to run through together right now, starting with Grayson Wimbish. First off, the first submission comes from our boy, Karsten. 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 All right, listen. Here it goes. Enter Sandman Rocks. The defense played their tails off. Keep up momentum. Next one comes from Grady Baker. Grady B. Down go the tar holes. Tailgates and jumping are back. Repeat for next week. Next one comes from Grant Watson, who finally all three sons ran into. Grant Watson, fantastic human being. 10 out of 10. Loved seeing you at the Shark Tank. Grant Watson, what an atmosphere. Return of the Terror Dome. Welcome to Saxburg. Number four, Pete McGee. My voice is destroyed, much like Hal's Heisman hopes. Barno is big time. And here we go. Last one from Ginja Mother Trucka. Wow. Fall is here, Hokies. Tech beat Carolina Blue. Smile as Tar Heels weep. So thank you for the haikus. And those Hokie haikus are brought to you by our friends at the Main Street Pharmacy. Stopped in there a few times this past week because I wanted to see not just my guy, our guy, Virginia Tech's guy, Dr. Lord Jeremy Counts, the head pharmacist at MSP. He was handing out Sons of Saturday, beat Carolina pins all week. He was like, guys, we need more. We need more. We're running out. So many people are coming in. They want their Sons pins. They're buying T-shirts. They're buying flags. And they're all neighbors. Look at all these neighbors just rolling into the MSP. Shout out to the Main Street Pharmacy for treating everyone fantastically where you are a neighbor, not a number. Can I say also, I want to just thank every student and every fan who got a pin. It was awesome seeing you guys around campus. Sons of Saturday pin made its debut on ESPN's Instagram. Uh, We had some lovely students uh, in the front uh, front of the section wearing the Beat Carolina pin. Um, upon further review, as the ACC officials say sometimes before they screw something up, we will be doing more of these game day pins, especially uh, come Notre Dame week and then going into conference play. Um, so please keep your eyes, ears, and shirts open for some pin, uh, for some pin, uh, pinnery. Um, how, how cool was that, by the way, guys? Like, we were all in there, we all made the decision to go as a group, see germ. And we saw this influx of students coming in to get the pins. Pin. That was just crazy. I that love was one it. of the coolest things ever. I love it. I love it. I, everybody was excited to have football back. 
We're going to talk about the um, the environment here in just a second. Um, but it's back. One of my favorite segments uh, that have been fun because we've been living in different places. But for the first time in a long time, friends, where did we watch? We watched together. We watched Huddled Up in Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia, with somewhere between 60,000 to 75,000 of our friends. And we'll get into that statistic a little bit later. There are some unaccounted for folks in the stands. Um, but, man, it was absolutely glorious. Pat Finn gave me my baptism. Bryce, Griff, Bronze, everybody in Section 5. Pat, who is the Section 5 creator? Who was that? All right, so the Section 5 creator, I would say Bryce Chalkley, Dave Nouse, those are the uh, the two co-chairmen of Section 5, and I'm just kind of the hype man over here. But, man, we got Miller and Amy are in Section 5. Rob and Suzanne are in Section 5. Uh, the whole Barlow, okay, you know, actually, let me back Barlow, up. yeah. The bar, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me eat some crow here. The Barlow family, legends of Section 5. Talk about folks who hold it down. They've been holding it down in Section 5 for years. Shout out to the Barlows. Uh, they are the best. But man, It was unbelievable. Yeah. First time in Section 5. We got fans that are smart, fans that are engaged. Got to sit behind uh, my old offensive line coach, Coach Searles. Um, got to see Sam Howell and Drake May um, interact on the sideline. It was good stuff. And then, uh, Grayson, where did you uh, where did you sit? Not too far from us. Not too far. So, uh, as is Wimbish tradition, I did sit with my family. If I'm only going to be able to make it to one game this season, I, I did have to sit with them over in Section 10 across the way on the west side. Section but I 10. did I did come over to Section 5 for a little bit to sit with the Suns, which was an electric factory. The whole gang's over there. Uh, so, if you know what's good for you. Get over to section five. Uh, that was that was a time and a half, boys. <laughs> yeah, man. Shout out, shout out to the freshmen who uh, somehow were all in section five. You know, right behind us, my guy. Uh, I, I believe it's Keshav. Gave him my section five hat after the game. That was big time. I said, "Hey, Hell man, yeah. we get this win. This is all yours." Um, but you know, they were into it. Love to see it. A lot of freshmen in their in their uh, their first Virginia Tech home game experience. After a long, uh, a long wait. So let's 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 set the table here. Not in terms of the ga- this game, but this podcast. If you remember, a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, now we started doing the big three, and a couple times in the big three, maybe we did two. A couple times we did four. Look, we're excited, and we're debuting a little bit of a different type of format here. We're here to talk about the game. We have a lot of really interesting information to bring you, but just bear with us. We will get better week by week. And let's start this conversation off with the environment that we saw in Lane Stadium on Friday night. And Pat, I want to kick this off by saying a lot of us didn't know what to expect. Um, We were looking on HokieTickets.com. There were still tickets available uh, leading up to just a few days before the game. Uh, And then it was announced to sell out. And then even the day of, we're walking around and we're saying, there aren't that many cars here. I don't I don't know where everybody is. I don't. I don't know what the deal is, and it did not did not disappoint. I go over to the Wimbish tailgate, over in the 160s. Uh, have a great time there. Running to Greg Stroman, which was great, and then we go in the stadium. And I think I'm getting there early. The student section. It was like 2015 Ohio State was absolutely packed. We walked in at 5:15, and North End Zone looked like it had it had already been full for a solid half hour. 
And the East stands on that left side uh, was probably three quarters of the way full and folks were still filing in. That was unlike anything I've ever seen though. And really want to tip my cap to the folks involved making it general admission for students because they knew that if they wanted a good seat, they're going to have to get in there early. And, uh, you know, I'm sure selling beer definitely helps leave the tailgate, go in and refuel once you're in the stadium, but, um, pretty cool to see. And also, you know, just everyone rocking orange, uh, in the student sections looks just looks so good as well. Gotta say though, the, uh, the filing in everyone filing in, uh, these narrow, uh, lane stadium section portals, was a little crazy. Uh, you know, I almost, I didn't miss Sandman, but I almost missed it by a couple minutes because of how backed up um, the uh, the tunnel was, or the uh, the portal. Yeah. Pro tip. Go ahead, Pat, uh, Grayson. Pro tip. If you want to get into the stadium quickest, West Side stands, I don't know what it is, but if you go to the, to the entrance to the left of the left lane stadium tower of the press box, I get in there in... That's what five, I f- five to seven minutes. Every That's what I time. took. I was in. I was in right away. Um, and also for a lot of the freshmen, and we'll talk about this. Uh, more folks, more students were filing in because they let more people in. Something happened at the gate. But if you're going higher on the west and east side or the east side stands, I'm sorry. Um, there's a ramp. So the reason it was backed up was everybody was going up that uh, avenue and then going up the stairs where you should have taken the ramp. Regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to defer to you guys for this and we'll start with Grayson. When was there an environment like this? I, I literally, aside from 2015, Ohio state, I, I can't remember a time where the crowd was that invested and that visible for 48 minutes. It was unimaginable. It really was. It was incredible. You mean 60 minutes? 60 minutes, however long. You know I'm not a good math guy. I'm thinking basketball. You're thinking you're thinking high school football or something. <laughs> I, I think I think the last in at least in recent memory, the last 10 years, the last time the crowd was that raucous was 2011 Miami, Fourth and Logan. I mean, on ESPN, these people are losing their minds. That's the last time that Lane Stadium roared like that in and and really was a factor in the game. Uh and then the last time, another huge one, uh, the last time we actually beat a top 10 ranked opponent in Lane Stadium was the 2009 Miami game. Uh, Ja'Cory Heisman comes into town in the pouring down rain. People are out there on their ponchos, and it was still just as loud. Uh, I think the, the biggest thing, and Pat, you tweeted this after the game. Uh, you said that was the terror dome, and it was. That's how it used to be. It used to sound like that all the time. The student section stayed full into the end of every game every week. Uh, And so for me to see that and then for us to come out with the W, beautiful chef's kiss. I love it. Students stayed. Love to see it. uh, Shout out to Beth Barnes. Hashtag stay in your lane. Um, When I think of the loudest environment ever, I think of 2003 Miami. And I would venture to say that this game this past weekend definitely, you know, rivals or comes close to how engaged our fan base was the entire game. And that a lot of that is due to it being a close game and top 10 opponent and everyone's juiced up first game after COVID. But um, man, this is, this is everything that we could have, you know, wished up. 
Okay, so let's talk about the game a little bit. We talked about the environment, and I think one of the most important things without talking about the entire game for a play-by-play was we were able to take advantage of that environment right out of the gate. And entire pregame, Pat, we're talking about it. Grayson, we talked about it. I hope we defer. I hope we defer. I hope we defer. I want to go on defense. I want to set the tone on defense. Postgame, Coach Fuente tells Lays, if we won the toss, we're taking that football and we're setting the tone for that football game. And that is exactly what happened. Following Enter Sandman, following the fire, following the fireworks and everything else, Virginia Tech goes eight plays, 75 yards, five minutes off of the clock, and seven points on the board. A couple of the big plays from that drive, we had a bubble screen to Trey Turner. Reminded me of FSU. You got hat on a hat. Our wide receivers like to block. Our wide receivers are tougher than your cornerbacks. Tavion Robinson, James Mitchell driving guys to the sideline. Fast forward a little bit later, we get the ball to Raheem Blackshear in space. All the wide wide receivers converge to the middle of the field, and Raheem Blackshear goes for 33 yards. And we also ran the ball with Braxton Burmeister two times, one time for a first down in the second play of the drive, and then we had Braxton follow Jalen Holston into the end zone for a touchdown. It set the tone. It said, we're here. We're here to compete. We're going to dominate you up front. We are going to run the ball on you, and we're not afraid to run our quarterback either. That was a huge question. We were asking it. I'm sure North Carolina was asking it. Is Virginia Tech going to have the cojones to run the ball with Braxton Burmeister? Well, Virginia Tech did, and Virginia Tech goes up 7-0. Other than that, uh, you know, we came out three and out for Sam Howell on that next drive, but then Tech goes down, and we have the Keyshawn King fumble that stalls the drive. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. What was huge was later on uh, in the first half, Sam Howell and uh, the Tar Heels are driving into Virginia Tech territory for really the first time all game. Um, they have a third and seven on the 26-yard line. They're in field goal range, and it looks like they could come and, uh, and tie it up because um, they've got momentum going. We bring the house, and Mario Kendrick ragdolls Sam Howell back to the 41 or 42 yard line for a 15 plus yard loss, putting them at like fourth down and 20 something out of field goal range. And that was a huge momentum swing there in the first half. That was one of my personal wow moments of the first half was that Kendrick sack. Um, But also what it led to, Uh, you know, we get the ball back. And that led to the, what was it, an 80-yard touchdown drive? Um, Yep, an 80-yard touchdown drive with one of the most beautiful passes that you will see. Um, And one of the things – 37-yarder. 37-yard pass from uh, Braxton Burmeister to Trey Turner on the sideline. Reminded me – You had the the black shear third down, third and five, where you took out three guys uh, right by the the shoes. If you you pause it during the broadcast – He's got three guys between him and the first down marker. Makes two of them miss and just absolutely runs through the last guy. It was, um, man, it was it was unbelievable. That whole that whole first half, the play the the game plan was obvious. I mean, we had a five minute drive, even though it ended in a fumble. We had a seven and a half minute drive, twelve plays, fifty six yards, and then we had another seven minute drive um, that ended in the touchdown. It's let's keep Sam Howell off of this football field. And he did a great job. The only other thing I'd like to tip my cap to in the first half was Peter Moore, our guy. 
standing with his tippy toes on the nine yard line. Um, UNC is sending the house to block this punt. They want to get some points right before halftime, and he booms a 51-yard punt. Perfect spiral uh, and puts North Carolina down on the 27. Doesn't give them enough time. Um, doesn't give them enough time to score. I also love the James Mitchell touchdown at the end of the first half. <laughs> and you, you drew a great, uh, a great comparison here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, listen, that if you go back and you watch the condensed game, that touchdown was a complete accident. It was third and goal, 11 yards to go. Braxton's rolling to his right, and he sees Jimmy Mitchell. Well, actually, he sees Tavian Robinson in the back of the end zone, lets it fly. Jimmy Mitchell comes in Matrix style, grabs it out of <laughs> the air. And you're thinking, dang, man, like, I'm glad he scored a touchdown, but that ball wasn't meant for him. What does that make me think of? 2011 Orange Bowl, if y'all remember. Yeah, we got absolutely cleated by Stanford. But one of the touchdowns <laughs> that we did have – Tyrod Taylor throws to the left corner of the end zone and steals a, and David Wilson comes across, steals a touchdown from Jarrett Boykin. It's pretty much the exact carbon copy play, but on the different side of the end zone. So look at the first half, an absolute thrashing. 88 rushing yards for Virginia Tech, 126 passing yards, 214 yards of total offense, 12, 12 first downs, six for seven on third down in 20 minutes. In 49 seconds of possession. North Carolina was held to just seven first downs. They were two of five on third down and saw the ball for nine minutes and 11 seconds. And I was feeling fantastic going into halftime, but also feeling like we should be winning this game by more. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the fumble with Keyshawn King earlier on in the game, that was a little frustrating. You kind of think, uh, should he have been the guy? there on that exact play, especially with Holston and Raheem Blackshear doing so well with kind of power pounding the rock straight into the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, if, if we had scored there on that drive and keep in mind, we were on their nine yard line. We easily could have, I'm, I'm convinced uh, we would have been in a much better spot later in the fourth quarter, but that's that also a huge testament to our defense for keeping us in the ball game in the fourth quarter. When it's when it was time for them to step up, they most certainly did. Moving right along to the second half. Second half, you're thinking, man, North Carolina is going to make some adjustments. Not actually, I wasn't thinking that at all because North Carolina is a very overrated team when it comes to actual coaching of the football game. They come out three and out, don't get anything done. And then they finally see a little bit of success after we punt it. And then Sam Howell throws an interception to Jermaine Waller, where Jermaine Waller said, excuse me, sir, that is my football, and ripped it straight out of his hands. Um, and then we had a punt. We had another touchdown by North Carolina, one of the only explosive plays that they had, honestly. They had two plays over 25 yards. One of them came to end the first half, and the second one came on this touchdown, a Sam Howell pass to Josh Downs, 37 yards for a touchdown. We're looking at 7-14. to 14. North Carolina is right back in this football game, Pat. Yeah, you know, to start the second half, you talked about setting the tone. And Taiwan Garbutt, I believe, had a sack on the first play of the second half. We had guys in their backfield all day long, whether it was Garbutt or Amari Barno, Mario Kendricks, uh, Dax. I think Dax had a sack, too. It was a sack fumble, too, by uh, by Taiwan Garbett as well. He forced a fumble. Taiwan Garbett, man, it was great to see him back out there. Yeah, 
the third quarter is where um, Sam Howell was able to find Josh Downs a little bit more. And then we saw Downs get the ball in the fourth quarter as well, but pretty solid touchdown. Uh, they drew it up really nicely to Downs. And I know Grayson was uh, talking about this earlier, but the dude can absolutely fly. Like he is one of the most electric football players I've seen in a very long time. Um, went virtually untouched into the end zone uh, in the third quarter. But, um, you know, the fourth quarter is really where <laughs> the nerves were were kicking in and the defense came alive. Absolutely. So following that North Carolina touchdown, Virginia Tech was able to answer and really get the only drive where they put something together here. It was an eight-play, 45-yard, five-minute drive. And then our guy, man, John Parker Romo, nails a 48-yard field goal, um, which was huge to put Virginia Tech up multiple scores. Um going in and then North Carolina turns it over on downs and then Virginia tech on the very next play on the North Carolina throws an interception to Jaquarius Connolly um, or Conley. Uh, and we give the ball right back to North Carolina. I'm looking around, I'm freaking out. I'm not feeling good about this at all. And then what does Dax Hollifield say? Dax says, don't you worry about it, Brax. I got your back, picks it right back off a huge play. Some may have said or thought like it was going to seal this football game, but we missed a field goal um, to go ahead and make it a 17 to 20 affair. And you give the ball right back to North Carolina. They march down the field, get a field goal, make it 10, 17. We punt. And then the glorious, glorious final ending of this football game, North Carolina goes nine plays and 47 yards, but it's ended by an intercepted ball by Chamari Connor after pressure from Jordan Williams and the place goes absolutely berserk fellas. How did you feel at the end of this football game? I, I got to tell you, Bill, I, I was sitting with my dad and my little brother and all, all we, we were all looking at each other, like get the script out, get the script out <laughs> boys. We're about to start reading it. We've read it a thousand times. How many times have we been here? They're going to march down the field. And guess what? When they get down there and score a touchdown, they're not going to kick the, the, the PAT. They're going to go for two. So we were in full-blown panic mode. But after Shamari Connor got that interception, uh, the biggest, biggest relief. Uh, and then they came out, Braxton Burmeister, jet sweep, Trey Turner cuts it up the field. And then what play was it again? It was what a jet did we sweep. Run? How did Brad was- ice this game? It was it was a jet sweep. You gotta let that tootsie roll. You gotta let that tootsie roll. So then we are uh, we are in victory formation in the shotgun. Braxton's taking snaps in the shotgun, which I was a little confused about. But regardless, it ate the clock away. Total elation. Total elation. We beat a top ten team in Lane Stadium for the first time since Miami in two thousand and nine. My dad, my brother, my mom were all going crazy. Lane Stadium's going crazy. They're playing Enter Sandman. People start rushing the field. A little that's a little corny, if you ask me, but we'll talk about that later. I had fun. I man, it's <laughs> each their own. I, I I ran on the field too, but against you, we're going. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> regardless, regardless. Hey man, when in Rome. When it went in Rome, do as. But fine. Oh, it was man. great. Pat, how are you feeling? I Pat, know you were you called up. it, man. Pat, you were saying like he did. You're he did you're say. you're like above all else, you wanted to knee the football at the end of this football game. And knee the football we did. Hampton was, coerced me into rushing the field for for the record. I was uh I was manifesting us in the victory formation 
just looking around and, and seeing the sights and everyone just with these massive stupid grins on their faces was absolutely incredible. Um, saw some things we'd never seen before, or at least I'd never seen before in the fourth quarter there. I don't know if you guys remember, like, uh, towards the end of the game when we were on defense, every, I don't know who started Dude. it. Someone, some group of folks turn on their cell phone lights. And all of a sudden, you have like all of Lane Stadium lit up in cell oh phone lights. Did you guys see where that started? Or it was during. It wasn't even like during like a timeout. It went on for like three or four plays where the entire. St- there are some awesome, awesome shots, and 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 we'll we'll get these out to you guys tomorrow. But some of these shots of Lane Stadium. I mean, the sun has gone down. It's coming down to the end, and it, it wasn't like one of these. We're not reading the room situations. No, people had their phone on. And we're being loud, waving their phone around. It was an unbelievable spectacle sight. It was beautiful. All I could think was is who who told them to do that? Did I not get the memo like in the at the last two minutes of the fourth quarter? I think quarter? I like, think let's the, turn them on. I think I think the corps of cadets may have started it, and then everybody else started doing it. I don't remember there being like a formal take your phone out and participate in the light up lane. <laughs> no, I think everybody just everybody was just like, look, we're doing this. Like let's let's send it, and uh, it was cool. Mission accomplished. Coolness achieved. Um, man, absolute pandemonium and just incredible. Uh, but let's get into uh, some of our likes and dislikes from this game. And we'll start with the dislikes. Uh, Grayson, what do you have for your first dislike? Uh, yeah, we'll start with the offense here. Uh, we talked about it. We alluded to it a little bit earlier. On the drive where Keyshawn King fumbled the football, we were flirting with a touchdown. Watch the condensed game back. Fun fact, when that happened, I was in line for beer. It took me 45 minutes to get it. Uh, So I didn't see any of this go down. Um, But, you know, I I just didn't like that he was the back in the rotation at the time because from what I later watched, Holston and Raheem had a good tandem going there, really pounding the rock into the line of scrimmage. And when you're that close to the end zone, I feel like it would have made more sense to have one of those guys back there. I'm not an offensive coordinator. I don't know. Maybe Coach Corn saw something I didn't. But I, I just think with the rhythm, when you got the guys in the rhythm, keep them in the rhythm. I think I think the issue that we ran in, not I don't want to call it an issue because I do think that for this football team to be successful, we're need we're going to need to have three backs that are going to be able to make plays, minus not having a Khalil Herbert, who's you know the best back in the nation. Uh, on that drive, we started off with Raheem Blackshear, uh, and then Jalen Holston ended up getting five touches uh, towards the back end of that drive. And I think it was just time to put Keyshawn King in. And look, Keyshawn King didn't play a ton last year. This football team is going to rely on him to be successful. Um, he's five foot 11, 180 pounds. Um, and I think making sure that we he knows he's a part of this featured backfield is going to be huge for this team. Pat, what are your thoughts on kind of how Coach Fuente handled the uh, the situation with Keyshawn King following the fumble. Obviously it's something that we've been talking about. Uh, honestly, ad nauseum at this point, Keyshawn King being a vital member of this team uh, in the running back room and needing two or three backs, uh, you know, like Holston, Blackshear, Keyshawn King to be able to just pound the rock and run down the clock like that little rhyme. The fact that he fumbled here, not good. Obviously 2019, he had some, uh, you know, some small fumbling issues too. I think about 2020, Tavion Robinson had some issues with uh, handling punts. At the end of the day, Coach Fuente, uh, Coach Lecht is confident in Keyshawn King. They're going to have that conversation. Listen, man, you know, sit down. Maybe it happened today. Maybe it happened yesterday. 
Listen, Keyshawn, uh, we believe in you. Shake it off. Get your mojo back, and we're going to be okay. Uh, a guy like Keyshawn King is so important to this team. We need him. We need him to bounce back next week. We need to give him carries next week uh, to assure that uh, you know that to assure that he's confident heading into West Virginia. But uh, at the end of the day, I think I think you know small blip on the radar here, and uh, excited to see how he responds to it as well. Moving on uh, to the defensive side of things, I really don't have any qualms with basically anything that we did on defense. Pat, do you, do you have any issues with the defense? The defense was outstanding. Um, there's really hard to nitpick anything. Uh, you know, the run defense was good. The pass defense was good. Um, they were in the backfield all night long. Just didn't like seeing guys get all banged up, and that's going to happen. It's a 60-minute football game uh, when bodies are just colliding the entire game. But, uh, you know, I know – I think it was Josh Fuga uh, was down for a little bit uh, defensively, and it was either um, – I think it was Eli Adams who might have gotten banged up and uh, had to be, you know, walked off the field. Looked like both of them were fine. Uh, what was it, Garbutt? Garbutt? Um Besides the point, our defensive tackle, defensive line uh, depth is not very solid. So just, you know, hashtag stay healthy is uh, still the motto here. And then one more thing from uh, from the offense that I didn't love. A um, couple times handling the snap or low snaps uh, from Brock I saw. But other than that, I'm sure that's something we can get cleaned up here. And I know that, um, you know, Coach Vice is probably all over that. Let's talk about some of the things that we liked. And I'm going to start with the offense. Um, first and foremost, I guess this goes to the entire team. The way that our team looks physically is a way that our team has never looked since I have been following. And I'm sure it has, you know, back when we were really rolling, I'd love to get y'all's opinion on this. We are large, we are long, and we are fast. We dominated the line of scrimmage the entire game. We talked about it before. The wide receivers looked the part. And, and I went to practice on Tuesday. Um, and some of the guys that really stood out, I mean, Amari Barno, obviously, that guy looks like Megatron. Like, there's, I mean, he has the Tremaine Edmonds fact, factor of, like, when you look at him, you're just like, I can't believe this is a human being. Um, but Trey Turner really, really impressed me. I was talking to Coach Hilgart, and this is the first time that Trey truly had a healthy offseason. Uh, and he said, you should have seen how Trey Turner attacked this offseason. And Trey, you guys saw him after the game. He looks bigger. He looks more filled out. I've always thought he looked a little frail over these last few years. Um, but he's put on about 10 or 15 pounds. Did you guys notice that when you ran into him? Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's definitely bulked up. I mean, he's been here for – this is his fourth year in Blacksburg. And uh, outside of Trey, uh, stamped that wholeheartedly. And just as a collective, the program, I mean, you saw the picture of Amari Barno on the TL yeah. after going going through Coach Hilgard's training program just from the second he got on campus to where he is now. And that story could be told a thousand times over. Look at the linebackers. I mean, Tisdale and Dax, those are two big guys where we're not used to having big guys at. Um, Tisdale looked much better playing his natural position, and Dax looks much – let me correct that. Tisdale looked much better after gaining the weight back that he lost last year, and Dax Hollifield looks much better jamming up the middle, making plays and mucking it up behind that defensive line, which also 
We've never had a guy on our defensive line that looks like Jordan Williams. I mean, these guys did a great job just dominating the front all day long. Uh, but get, to get back to the offense, our, gra- our game plan, we talked about the numbers in the first half. We won the time of possession battle by about 10 minutes. It was fantastic. Uh, this football team was disciplined. We had two penalties the entire football game. We had a hold on Brock. We had a pass interference in the end zone. Um, and we forced North Carolina to get into cover one and put eight or nine guys in the box. And that's with running the ball on the I believe it was a second or third drive. North Carolina had to go away from cover two and start loading up the box because they quite could not stop the run. And that's not something that I banked on this year. I knew we had a good offensive line. I didn't know that we'd be able to just get up there and say, hey, look, we're running the ball, we're running power football. And I dare you to stop us. And they couldn't do it. They could not do it. And they could not do it the entire first half. Kept the ball away from Sam Howell. Again, that first drive, five runs, two passes. Our guys in space. We look phenomenal with guys in the space. And then the last one that I have on the offense here is the passing game. The two passes that Braxton Burmeister made to Trey Turner on the far side, on the uh, west side, on the our sideline, excuse me. That is a pass that we have not had a quarterback that can make since I've been following this team. Gerard Evans was an extremely physically talented quarterback. He was able to throw the ball up to two of the best wide receivers this school has ever seen. Okay. And that throw, he dropped it into a bucket and Trey made a phenomenal catch. He did it again with Tavion Robinson coming the other way. Uh, we missed it by about six inches. His heel was out of uh, his toes were out of bounds, but another absolutely incredible throw. Uh, some of the things that we missed on with Braxton late in the game, we sailed a screen uh, on a third down that probably would have ended the football game. Um, that was a little bit of a bummer, but aside from that, I mean, he had a 77 QBR. He played well. He managed the game. He led this team. There were multiple times where he would come in and, you know, we're coming in in a difficult situation. He's handling the crowd. He's handling everything, making sure people are lined up. There were several times where the tight end might've been lined up wrong and he made sure he got him in the right position. I'm excited about the future of Braxton Burmeister. I, uh, I agree with that notion. If he can drop a dime like that to Trey Turner, that means he can do it a few more times this season, and I hope he does. Uh, Bill, I agree with you. The offensive discipline, all things considered, was pretty damn good. Uh, when there was a bad snap, Braxton fell on the ball like a champ and didn't try and pick it up. That's textbook 101. We've seen that in years past, and it makes my blood boil hotter than the blue blazes of hell. Uh, fall on the football. So shout out to Burmeister for doing that. Few penalties, uh, but no personal fouls, uh, especially from our, our 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 guy Brock Hoffman. We had him on the podcast. He talked to us about how he was going to work on that this season. He seemed very very composed. Didn't get really hot headed at all. Uh, so love to see that. And then just as a as a collective, our guys seemed very comfortable. I said it earlier. We have an arsenal of experience in this locker room. And so when the guys who are older, like Jimmy Mitchell, guys like Brock Hoffman, guys like Trey Turner, guys like Braxton Burmeister, when those guys are comfortable, it's going to be a lot easier for the younger guys in the locker room to be comfortable. Uh, so, and and they just, they seem chill. They did, they showed up, they got off the bus and they did their job. I also love the fact, this is a kind of a team effort thing. We never, after scoring the first touchdown, trailed this football game. We never even got in a position where we were not up less than seven points against the number 10 team in the country. And some of these, some of these like numbers that you look at, I mean, if you would have told me that we turned the ball over two times and we, you know, scored 17 points, 
scored three points in the uh, second half. If you told me that we would have won this football game, I would have called you crazy. Um, and it was quite frankly, a game that Virginia tech dominated on defense, the entire game and dominate and, and did well enough on offense to win the game, which has been Virginia tech's MO since the Genesis of their national relevance. Honestly, Bill, I think that the defense played their hearts out this entire game. They're the reason we won the football game. That's not to discredit the offense at all. I guess if I have to pick one qualm is that we didn't fall on any of those fumbles that we forced. I think of like Amari Barno when he is barreling down towards Sam Howell. If that football would have stayed in bounds, that could have been like a scoop six, and that would have been, oh, my gosh. Lane Lane Stadium would have exploded if that had happened. Here's an interesting statistic for y'all. More than 20% of UNC's 146 rushing yards came on a meaningless 29-yard run as the first half expired. And guess what? UNC had every single one of their five starting offensive linemen playing this game. So we owned them in the trenches for 60 minutes, which is monumental when you think about kind of how it went last year. Can we talk about that for a second, Grayson? Because if I remember correctly, I think Chris Himes and I both hammered on this point. Everybody was talking about how big and bad North Carolina's offensive line was. And sitting in Section 5, Pat, you remember this. We had our boy, William Barnes, number 76 from North Carolina. And his MO the entire football game was not to block Virginia Tech defensive linemen. It was to talk to everybody in the stands. This guy was squirting water into the stands. He was double burdened everybody in the stands. He was having full-blown conversations with people in Section 5. But this this offensive line unit has been massively overrated this entire offseason. You have 34 sacks last year. They had two NFL backs the year before as well. Um, and they got manhandled by a unit that this is going to be an issue for us all year. But they're a short-staffed unit. We don't have seven or eight guys that we can rotate. We were rotating six, five guys and just completely whooping them up and down the field all game long. Um, and I'm going to be honest, this, 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 this Williams thing or this UNC thing, it's I hate to say it, it's the culture thing. Everybody's told North Carolina how good they are. Everybody's told them their offensive line is going to dominate. Everybody's told them that they're the 10th team in the country. It doesn't matter. You're going to play. And they came in and they got their ass kicked in the Terror Dome for 60 minutes. And that's exactly what happened. And it was a, a ton, a ton of fun to watch that happen. Um, before I let you take your second half of it, Grayson, one of the things that I loved was on the first drive, I talked about this as one of my worries they tried to put uh, Josh Downs on Shamari Connor and take a chunk play. Uh, and Shamari Connor did a great job keeping up with them and said, absolutely not. Shamari uh, Connor was having none of it. They tried to put him in situations where it was a mismatch to what we would have thought last year. Shamari Connor is a great tackler, not a great coverer, uh, but he's come a long way in his game uh, and set the tone right out of the gates there with that breakup on that first North Carolina drive. Couldn't agree more with that. Connor. Had a hell of a football game on Friday. Very, very proud of him. Very happy for him. Uh, to close out, my my what I loved about the defensive performance was the pressure that Coach Justin Hamilton put Woo! on Sam Howe. We, we sacked him six times. When was the last time we had six sacks in Lane stadiums, especially against a guy like Sam Howe with their five starting offensive linemen? Uh, also, that, that Miami – Miami 2000 something. Miami, Miami 2016, Brad Kaya 
What a Brad Kaya. What, what a night. That was my 21st birthday. One of the best days of my life. Uh, I love the way that Coach Ham had Amari Barno spying on Sam Howell. Y'all know scrambling QBs have been Virginia Tech's kryptonite for what feels like an eternity. Coach Ham is clearly cognizant of that. And so if you go back and you watch the condensed game or the full game, whatever you choose, you'll see that it's very, very often that we would only rush three defensive linemen and Barno would just camp and he would come off the edge and he would go to the middle of the field. And literally it's like, it's like foosball. It's like a foosball table. And you're literally just, he's sliding back and forth, (laughs) sliding back and forth, like waiting. And the soccer ball or the foosball, if you will, is Sam Howell. And he just waited. And a lot of times that's where he got him to force him out of bounds when that fumble happened. Mm -hmm. So, I think he surprised him too. I don't think Sam, I think that's why I fumbled because Sam Howell had no idea who was there. And his, I gotta tell you, man, if you watch some of the plays where you get to see his closing speed, I I mean, I I can't say enough positive things about Amari Barno and I can't speak to how I can't watch to see him at the combine whenever that may be. This guy is a freak, is an absolute freak. Um, So unbelievable. His hand, it, you, you saw it. I mean, he never really got down to three point. His hand never touched the dirt. He was just kind of waiting there, you know, never really fully crou- crouched down and would just wait for Sam Howell. And it's like, finally, <laughs> finally, a scrambling QB. Because, I mean, Sam did get loose a few times there. Yeah. Like, it, he got yeah. loose a few times. And Coach Sam's like, yeah, you thought, you thought, my boy. Yeah. Meet Amari Barno. He's going to tell you what's up real quick. It was really amazing to see the lack of in-game adjustments from North Carolina. And it was the exact same thing from 2019. They're so frustratingly, if you're a UNC fan, in, inept at making any changes. Look, congratulations, guys. You did a great job recruiting. You do a great job in media. You guys do a great job with, with the uniforms. But you guys cannot outcoach anybody. They got completely outcoached and out-toughed the entire football game. Other things that I absolutely loved um, from the defensive side of the ball, the underrated part of the pressure that we created, Grayson, in this uh, football game was their RPOs were completely thrown off. If you're getting pressure on an RPO, that means that essentially, first of all, it means that you're creating pressure in within one and a half to two seconds of the ball being snapped, which means you're getting your tail kicked in. And during that, if there's any type of delay during an RPO, the offensive line is running a run play. So they have no idea this ball is going to be thrown or they are told to disregard the fact that the ball is being thrown. So any type of pressure, any type of thing that takes him off of his rhythm, you're going to get the illegal man downfield. And we saw that happen to North Carolina on multiple different occasions. Um, so that was absolutely game-changing by us. Um, also Norell Pollard was deflected the ball that was picked off by Dax Hollifield. That was great. Getting your hands up, being a disruptor. Um, we were able to avoid the chunk explosive plays that North Carolina, everybody's been telling us North Carolina was going to be able to do all season long last year. It was five plays of over 25 year, 25 years, 25 yards each this year. It was only two. We had the one right before halftime, which Grayson, you alluded to, was basically a throwaway play. It really did not make a difference. And then their touchdown in the second half. Those were the only two 25-yard explosive plays that they had. And then the only last point that I have was I turned to Bryce when this happened, and I said, that is the most important touchdown-saving play 
that we have had. I mean, it was unbelievable. On third and 15 in the fourth quarter, just starting the fourth quarter, Sam Howells checks down to Josh Downs. Uh, and Shamari Connor nicks him up by his shoelaces. And there is nothing but I'm wearing the shirt, clean mountain air in front of Josh Downs. He would have marched right into the end zone um, and would have made this a 14-17 game at the beginning of the fourth quarter. It is a mental toughness, extra effort play by Jamari Connor, who continues to make awesome plays. I got to tell you, man, Jamari Connor really, really reminds me of Chuck Clark. Chuck Clark was a guy who was super reliable in the run game. You didn't really hear his name a lot. He didn't talk a lot, but man, he was a heavy hitter and he was always where he was supposed to be. I, I love watching Shamari Connor play. I think he plays with a tenacity and an effort that is unmatched. And that's why he was at media day. That's why he's an, a captain of this football team. Um, and he is a special, special player. And that was a huge play for this football team in the fourth quarter. You know, we talked about how well the defensive line and the linebackers played on Friday um, but gotta gotta really give a lot of credit to the defensive backs too. They were unbelievable. We talked on our preview podcast about how Sam Howell, when he's able to set his feet, he has one of the most threatening deep balls in all of college football. It's the reason why so many NFL scouts are so high on Sam Howell. Um, first of all, the defensive line provided so much pressure to not you know create those opportunities, but. He was able to go to deep. He was not able to go deep very frequently. And when he did, you know, special call out uh, that one play Dorian Strong in the corner. Strong just completely, oh. completely textbook, uh, you know, read, read the entire play, last minute, turns his head, puts his hand up. As Lee Corso would say on NCAA football, he just stuck his hand up and hit the football. Um, but. <laughs> Another guy who is just who played out of his mind, Armani Chapman, uh, was incredible. Um, was targeted. I don't. I don't know how many times he was targeted, but um, one complete pass for negative five yards, and it was a uh, a crazy hit in the backfield. Um, Scorpion place went absolutely crazy. Nasir Peoples, another guy. Uh, defensive back, we want to call it, who started at boundary safety. Uh, we knew that, or we thought that Devin Hunter was going to get a lot of time playing uh, at the boundary safety position, but it turns out people's actually started the game and Devin Hunter actually only played three snaps. But uh, Nasir Peoples was the third rated overall defensive player uh, from PFF. So Big time shout out to Peoples for stepping up um, and having his name called and delivering. Some other guys, Tay Daly was great. We saw some Tay Daly and and this and this line from Sam Howell. I mean, he was seventeen for thirty two, which is essentially fifty percent, uh, two hundred and eight yards, um, uh, twelve point two average, three picks, six sacks. Um, just just an incredible performance, and I, I couldn't be happier for Jay Ham. You know, all all season, all off season, you've heard so many people say he's in over his head, he's too young, this, that, and the other. The defense was a disaster last year. First game of the season, you're supposed you see one of the best quarterbacks in college football, Heisman hopeful, um, and you go out there and you know for a while in the first half, I was thinking, are we gonna goose egg these clowns? Um, but uh, man, just an an unbelievable, unbelievable performance. And I got one more. I got one more interesting stat for you guys. Um, it's a reason to be fired up here. 
So we're going to talk about third and distance to go uh, from this football game. North Carolina was two for 10 on third down. That's excluding a third and nine penalty on Tay Daly in the end zone. So they averaged third and 10.2 to go. And we talked about how this absolutely axe murdered our football team last year is getting into third and six plus third and eight plus. We kept North Carolina in third and long situations all night. If you want to go down the list, it was third and 13, third and 10, seven, 15, 13, four, six, 15, nine, four, six. They had tough, tough third downs to convert. And sometimes they were in fourth down conversions. They did a good job converting on some of them, but man, you put a team in third and 10 plus, they're going to have a rough time scoring points. Now, if you flip the side of that, Virginia Tech didn't have a great second half on third down, but in the first half, we were great. Six of seven. We finished six of 12. Um, Excluding a kneel down on third down, we were uh, third and 6.25, almost half of what North Carolina was facing the entire game. This is an improvement over uh, third and 7.3 last year. This is a number from Shelton Moss. Um, that was 89th in the FBS, but he took out garbage time with this number. So that does not include Khalil Herbert running the ball when we're up 14, 10, or 21, which significantly skews. He said, make sure you say this significantly skews this number. So this is a tremendous, tremendous jump from what we saw last year. And if we can continue to put our offense into, you know, if I'm looking at the list here, third and fives, third ones, third and inches, third and twos. We're going to be in good shape. We're going to be in good shape. And we're going to be in a position to take more shots down the line. I think that wraps up our likes and dislikes for this section of the podcast. And Pat, I'm excited about this, man. It's the out to lunch section of the Sons of Saturday podcast. where We talk about folks that are out to lunch. This is brought to you by Roots Natural Kitchen. Roots Natural Kitchen, we actually have a commercial dropping for you this week. Super excited about that. We shot a uh, commercial at Roots Natural Kitchen um, with Brock Hoffman, uh, who absolutely dominated this football game. Really excited about that. Go ahead and download the Roots app, Roots Natural Kitchen app, and use code SONSOFSAT21 for a discount off of your order. We 20, had 20%. Get the 20%. El Jefe. I recommend it. 20%. Grayson had, Grayson had his first Roots experience, and that place slaps so hard. I love Roots Natural. It slaps. Absolutely awesome food. 20%. Grayson, you were talking about it. 20%'s a lot. That was 20% of the rushing yards for North Carolina on a play that didn't mean anything. 20%. That's a callback. Good but hit. Pat, kick us off with Out to Lunch, brought to you by Roots Natural Kitchen. Yeah, well, first of all, we got to give a shout out because we did a Roots giveaway on the Instagram. We said, hey, we said, hey, comment your uh, your prediction for how many passing yards Braxton Burmeister has. And Lauren Malinsky says 182, and she was closest. Braxton had 169 uh, passing yards. So, Lauren, check your DMs. You have a Roots gift card uh, on its way to you. So we're excited Pat, about this. And- correct me if I'm wrong. Did Lauren win a gift before? Is this her Lauren- second gift from uh, from the Sons of Saturday? Yeah, Lauren won a, uh, a Uscape t-shirt last year. So shout out to Lauren, keep part or Laura, keep participating, Laura. 
We love the uh, we love the gifts. I'm sure you love them, actually. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, this is this is a segment that we came up with. We'll see how long it sticks. We'll see if you guys like it. But out to lunch, you know, folks who are out to lunch, they're they're not paying attention. They might do something a little silly. Guys, out to lunch, man. So, Bill, who who uh, who is out to lunch? Yeah, and I would say too, just to to double down on that, Pat. If you if you have a submission for out to lunch, whether that's something going on on campus, whether that's a student, whether it's our own team out to lunch. Please tweet us, Sons of Sat VT, and we will discuss it and give you a nice little shout out. Maybe you'll catch a follower or two. Maybe you'll meet your wife. Maybe they'll say, I like that out to lunch submission. And, um, you know, who knows what, what what could happen? The world's a crazy place. Hashtag, uh, hashtag Sons OTL. Sons OTL. So here are mine. I was curious as to why North Carolina didn't incorporate Walston more. He's their six foot four, 245 pound tight end. They missed him on the seam. Uh, down the sideline midway through the fourth quarter. But aside from that, he only had one catch for six yards. And watching this football game, guys, I'd love to know if you felt the same way. Well, I looked at our wide receivers and I said, those are big guys. Those are mismatches. Those look like college division one wide receivers. And I know North Carolina is young, but they did not have a guy where it's like run down the field and be a mismatch. Did you guys see anybody with any size aside from Walston on their, on their wide receiver core? No, not particularly. It was all of these little water bug, you know, shifty, quick guys, which you need to have some of, but they didn't have any of those game-breaking mismatch guys. I was surprised they didn't try to get him the ball more. I'm actually not surprised because Phil Longo is overrated and doesn't really do a lot with his offense, um, regardless of how much stuff he has. But he's a New Jersey native, so we're going to cut him some slack. Um, right. Keeping it moving here, uh, fourth and three on their own 43 and going for it when they were down 10 early in the fourth quarter. Uh, interception bailed them out. But I really, man, you put yourself in a situation where that ball game is over if you go, if you turn that over on downs, uh, which they did, and don't get that pick. Um, and then we picked it right back. Um, so I didn't understand that. Mac Brown clock management. What are you doing? Um, second down with a minute and four seconds left. Clock's running. Take a timeout. And I'm not saying that because you were running out of time. I'm saying that because Lane Stadium is going absolutely ballistic. Nobody can hear anything. Everybody's freaking out. You're switching. You're switching guys. You're doing some rotational stuff. Take a timeout. Reset. Talk to your guys and figure this out, and calm the crowd down. They didn't do that. And that exact play, game-ending interception. Sam Howell inexplicably inexplicably throws the ball uh, right to us, and game's over. And if even if that didn't happen, Grayson, we talked about this earlier. There was an illegal man downfield again because of the pressure flushing him out of the pocket. I do not understand it. Uh, Mac Brown, what are you doing? My OTL for this week is the offensive line and the offensive line coaching staff from North Carolina. They were, I know you talked about this bill. They were trying to chirp all of section five, the entire game. They spent, they spent more time looking at us than they did uh, looking at the actual game. So a big time shout out to the, uh, to the, to the hecklers of section five, respectively, of course. And if you're not, you know, I'll be saying something to you because I did that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get into that. uh, (laughs) Keep your players, keep your players focused, man. This was, this wasn't just like during pregame. This was like, they're coming off of the field, losing by 14 and their coach is coming over to draw plays up. And you're talking to me. Why, <laughs> why are you talking to me? I, 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 <laughs> I do not understand. 
I wasn't in section five for very long. I was probably there with my little brother to, to see y'all for all of 15 minutes. And I, I didn't see this going down. And I kind of wish that I had because it sounds Dude, it was insane. It was literally, I, I couldn't believe it was happening. It wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't turning over. Like I, I'm sure people are imagining like someone turning over and being like, yo, shut up. It, it was like full blown. They I were engaging. You say something. I say oh, yeah. something, you say something. And your back is turned to the field of play. It was, it was unbelievable. Helmet stickers brought to you by no one. If you want this ad space, hit us up. It's up for grabs. Check it out. But go give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll do ourselves a little bit of a shout out. Give us a review. It helps us. It actually does. Um, I'm going to go with, here are my first two. Caleb Smith, fantastic blocking all field, on downfield all game. Go ahead and watch that first drive. Caleb Smith was whooping guys up and down the field. I'll just give you guys all of mine. Peter Moore, absolutely tremendous punt. A freshman being asked to step up in a massive, massive, massive situation in the first half of this football game. He had to punt the ball with his tippy toes on the nine-yard line, and he boomed a 51-yard punt to kind of take North Carolina scoring before the half out of the equation. That is a tough spot for a freshman to sign uh, to jump into. He handled it with grace. Good job. Former podcast guest as well. Not to take any credit for that moment. Armani Chapman, body bag, absolutely body bag, the running back for North Carolina. I say body bag because the guy did get up and run off the field. Shout out to him. I hope he's okay. Um, but Lane Stadium went uncanny, insane on this hit. He was completely missed by both wide receivers on a bubble screen. Absolutely blew it up. That was awesome. We talked about the Chamari Connor tackle on downs in the fourth quarter. Save a touchdown. Um, the Dax hollow field. Don't worry about it, Brax. Dax has got you intercepting North Carolina two plays after we threw an interception in our own territory. That was huge. And my last one, man, I got to give a ball to Sam Howell. And the reason being Sam Howell is the only reason this football game was competitive. Sam Howell is an incredible competitor. I watched him talk with his offensive coordinator. I watched him get hit multiple times. His offensive line was absolutely terrible in this football game. And he really put this team on his back. Um, and he's a tremendous football player. I don't think this takes anything away from how good he is. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Sam Howell. I had a lot of respect for him coming into this football game. Um, and that's increased since this football game ended. Um, so I tip my cap to Sam Howell. I think he's going to be a very good pro at the next level. My helmet stickers go to both defensive ends for the Hokies. Amari Barna, four solo tackles, one and a half sacks. Shout out Pat Finn and one forced fumble. And then Taiwan Garbett, four solo tackles, two sacks, hits the penguin dance, and Timmy Settle goes crazy on the sidelines. So one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And also one forced fumble. Uh, so big ups to the uh, defensive ends and Taiwan Garbett. Uh, I know was injured last year and was a little bit dinged up. So to see him back out there making plays is Awesome. Happy to have you back, man. Got a couple helmet stickers here. Uh, one off of Armani Chat, uh, Chapman. Wanted to read that Chris Coleman tweet. Uh, Armani Chapman leads the nation in passing yards allowed when targeted. That number is negative five yards. And Armani Chapman is the only corner in the top four to have played over 20 snaps in week one. He looked great. Uh, I know he uh, he got into it. With Josh Downs after that touchdown, uh, reminiscent of Daz Newsom and Chamari Connor getting into it 
over the past few years. Um, but you know, it's just part of the rivalry here. Jalen Stroman on special teams, inches, literally millimeters away from uh, blocking the first punt of the day. Jalen Stroman's going to get one. I don't know when it will be, uh, but Jalen Stroman and uh, and our special teams unit is going to block a punt this year. Uh, Nasir Peoples, he looked good in the 31. Uh, he was great on tackling. He had a great game. And then I uh, really want to give a, a shout-out to Raheem Blackshear. Last year we had Khalil Herbert. Herbert got you know tons of carries uh, as the number one back. Blackshear was more of the Swiss Army knife, but this year Blackshear might really get his moment. And, and Billy talked about receivers in space uh, being that Swiss Army knife and um, being able to create opportunities uh, with how, how athletic he is. I think he really set the tone on that first drive uh, for Virginia Tech, so he was fantastic too. Moving right along to game balls. Game balls are brought to you by The Hub. Look, um, it was great to be home this week. It was great to be back at Virginia Tech. That's a place that we call home. It's cozy. It's warm. You got friends. Well, guess what? Taking that a step further, if you want a place that's cozy, you want a place with a jacuzzi, you want a place with the air conditioning, quick ride to campus, Beautiful, beautiful scenery. It's the hub. The hub on campus is absolutely beautiful. They have fantastic deals. They still have some space available for this year, or you can secure your spot early next year. The Sons of Saturday encourage you to check out the hub on campus in Blacksburg. And also, if you do decide to sign a lease, let them know. The Sons of Saturday sent you. So, Grayson, game ball. Who you got? Got to be Shamar Connor. UNC has been this man's individual kryptonite for the past two seasons. Now, granted, in, in 2019, Hal definitely did have Jamari's number. Daz Newsom burned him a few times. 2020, he got ejected. So, can I guess play that comparison as hard? But this year, Connor had the game-sealing interception, didn't give up any single-target touchdowns or have any missed tackles. I mean, he was flying all over the field. Uh, and he was wearing the 25 jersey, which selfishly, I wish he wasn't this week because I was in person and I would love to see the number one on the under the lights. But, um, you know, having that Frank Beamer defensive bag mentality, love to see it. So, Jamari Connor, you get the game ball from Grayson. I'm going to go with our cornerbacks, uh, Jermaine Waller, Dorian Strong. I thought personally, I thought Dorian Strong was, if not our best player, definitely our second best player on defense this game. Um, they play, uh, Dorian Strong played the field side all night long. Jermaine Waller was absolutely fantastic. I said it before the season started that I think that our defensive backfield is the best in the ACC. They definitely took a step forward in that regard um, and excited to continue to watch them uh, get better each game. Uh, Pat, you alluded to it, the incredible play that Dorian Strong made in the back of the end zone uh, to save a touchdown. That unit was great. That unit was great against an awesome quarterback. Um, so it's going, I'm split, I'm cutting the ball in half, giving it to Dorian Strong and Jermaine Waller. I'm going to give ours to drumroll, please. Braxton Burmeister, 12 of 19, 169 yards, uh, one touchdown, did have the interception as well, but he also had um, 40 plus yards on the ground, uh, including a few key first downs throughout the game. Uh, he protected the football. He played smart football. He dove on the fumbles, um, and he led us to victory. Now let's jump over to word of the day. Can I give one more game ball, please? Just yeah. One. 
I, I got to give the game ball to the staff. I, I do. I, 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 they clearly, Grayson's laughing. They clearly, clearly out-prepared North Carolina staff. The heat on the seat was turned on. Uh, they've been through a lot. These kids have been through a lot. I don't mean to get to get soft here. I love this staff and I love these guys. Uh, and it was so great to see them after this football game. I, I'm really happy for everybody. I don't know if it's a game ball. I, I want to give them a just just a big old hug, man. I'm happy for the staff. That goes strength coach, uh, strength coaches, nutrition, freaking GAs. I'm happy for the group, man. I'm happy for them. Word of the day. Billy, do you want to kick it off? What was your word of Friday? Yeah, our word of the day is grit. It's on our helmets. Y'all had a problem with it being on our helmets. Y'all can kick rocks. This was grit versus Gucci, and Virginia Tech came in, and they handled business after being told they were going to get pushed around in Pact Lane Stadium. It didn't happen. We punched them in the mouth. We kicked them in the teeth. We did everything that we had to do, and everything is right with the world. The basketball school in North Carolina that has the coolest uniforms, that plays under Sandman at practice, that pretends to be who they're not, they are who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were. They came in and they got pushed around for 60 minutes and they got sent packing and they're back in wherever the hell North Carolina figuring it out with their little bell tower that they didn't get to light up this weekend. It was grit versus Gucci and we handled business. It's just grit, period. It's grit. Sorry. I talk too fast for my brain to process it. My word of the day is fun. I can't, I was saying this all (laughs) summer. We're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. Show up to Lane Stadium because we're going to have a ton of fun. And guess what? It's exactly what happened. We had students showing up 90 minutes before kickoff. Uh, we had beer in Lane Stadium. We had turnovers. We had defense. People screaming and yelling, shaking their keys. Beer in Lane Stadium. I mean, come on. It was a ton of fun. If you didn't have fun, we're not, we're not friends. <laughs> Jeez. But I know I had fun. Why did I have fun? Because the Hokies finished. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And we finished the football game. Defense held it, held it together, stayed strong, stayed poised, and we got the job done. We finished it. Moving right along to where do we go from here? Grayson, you've done a great job painting the picture these last couple podcasts, so I left it to you. Where do we go from here, buddy? It's got to be up. It's got to be up. Look, this game makes me think of 2018. We've alluded to that already a few times in this podcast. It makes me think of 2018 FSU. We came off hot in that game. We were hyped up down there in Tallahassee. You got a huge win. And I was convinced, and I think a lot of other people were convinced that we were going to run the Coastal Division that year. And that did not turn out to be the case at all. Uh, So if we stay healthy, we play every single game with a chip on our shoulder. We play with that level of intensity and we hopefully can avoid injury as much as humanly possible, then we could have a very special 2021 and achieve greater things than what I personally thought we could achieve. That being said, got to take it week by week, ignore the hype, and play every single game to win and not to lose with a chip on our shoulder. Pat Finn, anything to add? I got one more thing to add there. Um, We're due – to not, you know what, the bed. Like, we've done it way too many times. We get that big win in September, and then all of a sudden we come out flat, uh, either in early October or late September. Let's not do that, and I think we're due to not do it. 
I love it. Mike McDaniel predicted it uh, in his preseason podcast of this being the year that Virginia Tech doesn't lose that game. So here's to hoping Virginia Tech does not lose that game this year. This is probably, for me, um, one of the most excited I am segments of the podcast. Um, Not saying I didn't love the football game. I adore the football game. But here's everything else that goes into it. Tailgates, fun, game day experiences. This segment is called Stuff That Isn't Football. So, Pat, kick us off with the Stuff That Isn't Football podcast uh, segment podcast part thing. (laughs) (laughs) Words are hard. So um, I want to talk about a few things that I did on Friday that I'd never done before. One of them was the Hokey Walk. I've been going to games for, you know, over 20 years. I don't think I've ever been to the Hokey Walk. I know some people might freak out on me for that, but um, we were going to meet the basketball folks over the basketball tailgate in front of Han Hurst. But before we did that, for a little Storm Murphy score, per, uh, score prediction, Hokey Walk got a little caught up, and it was awesome. It was really cool uh, to see everyone get off the bus, super fired up. Um, you know, you get all the fans lining both sides. Jack Hollifield and Dax Hollifield are walking in together. I thought that was awesome. But um, the Hokey Walk was pretty cool. We talked about this earlier. The buzz was interesting. You know, I walked around lot two and lot one, um, probably at 3.40, you know, four o'clock. And it didn't seem like that there were that many folks, you know, tailgating or around a lot of empty parking spots. And I don't know if this was because of it being a Friday game at 6 p.m. And, you know, folks are coming in from work or not. But that was something I remember pointing out. I was like, you know is something missing here is something missing. And it turns out that, you know, I'm thinking it was because it was a Friday game. I don't know about you guys, but um, so just a, a takeaway that I had, and I'm glad that the stadium was a lot more buzzing than, uh, than lot one when I was walking in, into the stadium. No doubt. I think something I thought, you, go ahead, Grayson. I think something you got to keep in mind is uh, something that slipped in the back of my head is that like stu- a lot of students had class on Friday and like mandatory class. So they didn't get out till later. I know my my little brother had class. Fish. Com- yeah. Comateyamos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he yeah. couldn't get out of class. So a lot of missing cars, a lot of missing students walking around on center. A lot of them didn't get there till later. So that was a very different experience for sure. Yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, game day experience, you know, we'll get into more of that on, on shout outs. Grayson, uh, I know you, me, and the gang, we stayed in a great Airbnb on uh on 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 clay street which was awesome um i am a firm believer grace and i were talking about this on the phone the days of couching it uh at current students houses is over uh i can't do that anymore i don't have the ability or the can you chill out matthias sorry matthias is excited about the podcast i don't have the ability to be sitting on a on a pullout mattress anymore i can't get on the plane with a bad back so being on Clay Street, waking up in the morning and seeing Lane Stadium and the fresh, grassy dew on my toes, it was good stuff. It was good stuff. Um, I'm gonna Pat. Do you mind if I borrow a? Do you mind if I borrow the bullhorn uh, that you use when people get on your front lawn for a few minutes? Would you Would you mind just handing that over? Please do. I might I might have to steal it back from you in a few minutes, but yeah, go no ahead. No problem. No problem. So. I alluded to this earlier. Me versus you, man. 
It's me versus you. When we go to Lane Stadium and we watch a football play, football team play, it's about our football team. It's about our school. It's about our students, our alumni, seeing each other, watching our team play. This is not a message to all of or even most of our fans. It is not. It is also not an indictment on those that may have partaken in these activities. Because look, I get it. You're excited. You're excited. We were inside for a long time. We didn't get to go to football games. We didn't get to jump around. We didn't get to hug each other. We didn't get to do any of that. And Friday, this finally came to an end. But this absolutely can not happen at all. We are not this fan base. Chanting North, chanting bleep UNC is peak headassery. It is, hey, look at me. I just graduated high school. That's what that looks like. Throwing paper planes. That is the same as the wave. Don't do that. It is peak headassery. Running up, I got to tell you, nothing pissed me off more than this, guys. Running up to Sam Howell at the end of a 60-minute hard-fought football game that you did not play in, you did not compete in, and messing with Sam Howell as he runs off the football field. Don't do that. They did it to Bud Foster at UVA a couple years ago. Back then, it was peak headassery. If you looked at our players after the football game, multiple players went out of their way to shake his hand because Sam Howell is a fantastic competitor. Sam Howell is a great guy. Sam Howell has done nothing, nothing wrong except played a football game and lost the football game. Do not interact with players from other teams when our football team wins because it's not about them. It's not about North Carolina. It's not about Sam Howell. It's not about Tony Grimes. It's not about Daz Newsom. It's not about Dak, Mac Brown. It's about Jordan Williams who transfers in here and gets a chance from Clemson to come compete and win a top 10 game. It's about Coach Fuente and this staff figuring it out. It's about that offensive line dominating the line of scrimmage. It's about Trey Turner going out there and making freaking football plays. It's about James Mitchell being a grown man. All right? It's not about the other football team. Support our guys. That is what you pay ticket money to do. That is why you're there. You made a difference in the football game. Things you should do, be loud. Cheer for our guys. Distract the other team on third down. Be passionate. And also, Pat, I'll pass it to you on this. Encourage your other seatmates to do the right thing as well. I could not agree more with everything that you just said. So thank you, Billy Ray, for that, uh, for that little monologue. I guess we could jump over to... Um, well, is there anything else you want to add to that, Bill? I know you had some thoughts about the pregame. I know we're going to talk about our good and bad review of, uh, of our game day experience, but I know you had one more thought there. Yeah, on that note, Pat, we had to do some policing over in Section 5. You know, we had some guys screaming some profanities. Look, you got kids in the stands, maybe moms, dads who are a little sensitive, grandparents. Be good. Be a good person. It's not hard. Be a good person. I know you guys are excited, though, so we'll cut you some slack. Just next week, let's clean it up, or you'll hear it from me and Pat. It's just what's gonna <laughs> you be. will. I you will. I will shut it down. I will shut it down. I did, and I will. I'm not afraid to do it again. Father I Pat will. coming out here, being a dad. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, <laughs> it's not even about that, man. It's just do the right thing, man. It, it's that's a fact. Do the right thing. That's a fact. Do the right thing. Again, don't make it about us. I get pissed off when the media makes it about the other team losing more than us winning. So don't don't do the same thing um, as a fan. I want to talk about um, I want to talk about our emotions before this football game. Sensitive Bill um, was out and about. Uh, I got into the stands and the core cadets was taking the field. And if we're being honest, I tweeted, I, I tweeted it. Riley got a great video of it. I just full blown started crying. stands, And it, it, it's, it's, it's crazy because Pat, you know, you and I talk about this on the phone and Grayson, we talked about this when we were there. It is such a special place. It is such a special school. Um, and it's been a really, really difficult year for a lot of people. Um, and it wasn't about as much for those few minutes about the football game. It was about seeing and hearing all week on Twitter, people tweeting at us or or watching different interactions, people seeing their parents for the first time in a year and a half, people seeing their kids. When we went in and I I had dinner with a couple of our, uh, with a couple of our scrap, a couple of our student interns, uh, Edison Moeller and uh, Katie Aaron Gianellio, uh, who actually was responsible for the pins this week. And I was talking to Katie and um, I asked them both, how are you guys doing? And, and Katie was like, yeah, this is, this is my first Virginia Tech sporting event of my college career as a sophomore. And seeing how the students showed out and seeing just the love and, and everything, man, it, it just got to me, man. We, we go to a really, really special school with some special people. Um, and it just, uh, it meant the world to be back in the stands with everybody. It, it, it really did. I got to say just real quick, it didn't really hit me until I walked into Lane stadium that it's, it's like Grayson. Holy crap, dude. I mean, you haven't been in here. First off, you haven't been to Blacksburg since October of 2019. That's the longest period in my life where I had not been to Blacksburg, much less a Virginia Tech football game. And so walking in there, you hear the marching Virginians playing. You hear Skipper go off. Even just walking up the ramp to come out into to your section, it just adrenaline rush coursing through my veins. I mean, it it was just a euphoric experience unlike any other that I've experienced probably in the past five, ten years. Uh, being there with my family. Um, Pat, I'm sure you relate to that. Uh, tenfold, but geez, as soon as Enter Sandman starts playing and they're coming out, and just everyone was so excited to be there. Uh, and whoo, I'm, I'm so jealous that those kids who are in Blacksburg right now get to do that a few more, like five more times this year. in a couple of days, <laughs> in, a, in, in a couple of days. So jealous. Let this serve as a reminder of how special our game days are because to be honest, I kind of, I think we all took them for granted until they were taken away. Um, and I just, I can't wait to be back. I can't wait to be back. I love this football team. I love my school. I'm glad to be a Hokie. What's a Hokie. I am. Um, I don't know. I know it probably, probably sounds like a corny thing, but, uh, I'm, uh, it was, it was an awesome time, man. So we're going to do letters from the lunch pail uh, and wrap this up. But right before we do that, we do want, we do want to talk about kind of from an operational perspective, 
game day environment, what was good, what was not so good. So, Grayson, you kick it off here. Well, I think the elephant in the room or in the stadium, I guess you could say, is booze in Lane Stadium. That's really tight, being able to buy a beer and take it back. I mean, that's it's really cool. Uh, also, that was the loudest I've heard Lane Stadium probably since that 2011 Miami game. I know I said that earlier. Gives me glimmers of a time gone by. And the crowd was a factor in the game. Hashtag Terror Dome. It's back, and I hope it's here to stay. I think uh, I think the students just showing up so early. I'm hoping that continues with that general admission, uh, with students coming in really early, getting to experience Center Sandman and, and staying Um you know, we've come on this podcast and given students a hard time in the past, uh, in 2019 specifically, you know, there's, <laughs> you could, you could see it North end zone, the six overtime game, like, you know, 40% empty. Uh, I don't see that happening with this new general admission deal. And, uh, it looks like we got a pretty solid team here showing up every Saturday. So that is awesome. Um, want to give a shout out to the production team. Uh, Bailey Angle was great as the MC going around the stadium doing, you know, filling the lyrics with the core, living on a prayer. That was hilarious. Um, the tunes were good. You know, how do you, you, not, the know the word, how do you not know the words to that song, by the way? I'm, I don't Dude. mean to pick on the kid, but what are we doing? I don't know. I thought I thought it was hilarious. So I, I'd rather see him not know the lyrics for the entertainment value of everyone in the stadium thinking it's pretty funny. But uh, <laughs> that is so that disappointed. Is, maybe maybe that guy should be in the uh, the out to lunch section. How do we not know the lyrics? How do we not know the lyrics to living on a prayer? He's a Jersey guy, Bon Jovi. Um, no, but Bailey did a great job as MC. You had uh, you had the outsiders playing. You had Mo Bamba playing. You had some stand up and shout when we needed it on third down in the fourth quarter. You know, huge, huge, huge uh, job of the production team just keeping these students involved and keeping these students invested. This was the first game for the class of 2024 and the class of 2025 at Virginia Tech, and it was pretty special. You know, I'm sure that those classes are going to have something fun commemorating this win on their class rings when they get to go design those class rings and celebrate, um, you know, their experience at Virginia Tech. So, just want to uh, hammer that home. Sandman was awesome. The um, skydivers are really cool. We actually we went to Clemson, Georgia the next night. Same thing. I don't, know if, don't know if it was the same team, but uh, had the same type of uh, production there. Guys coming down from the sky. Last one with the American flag. Um, you know, the I believe it was called the Dragon Breathers or Dragon Breath. Fire. Uh, Dragon Fire. You had you had. Uh, when they came out of the tunnel, a little fire come out. Awesome. Some, pyro, some pyrotechnics. Orange effect, looked, orange effect looked great. So uh, yeah, I got a lot of good things to say about um, the operations. I'm going to double down, Pat, and I'm going to take it a step further. Um, I used to – so my one of my dad's biggest problems with my high school early on was he was like, the production is like as if the football game is not even going on. Like who's reading the room? Like what, what, why are we doing these chants on third and 10? Why are we doing stuff on the video board on third and 10? And he felt that way when he went to his first Virginia tech game in 2014, they read the room this time, the painting thing that we did with James Mitchell. We did it at halftime. We didn't do it during the game. A couple of years ago, they would have done that on like a timeout on the third quarter and the third quarter of like a one score football game. They saved it for halftime. They knew when to get involved. They knew when to get loud. They knew when to, 
do everything we needed to do. Mr. Brightside before the kickoff where everybody sang Mr. Brightside. That was awesome. Absolutely fantastic as this motorcycle whizzes by. Uh, The lights were great. We talked about this already with the lights. I just loved it. And I loved the fan intelligence. Every time Sam Howell's coming up to the line on third down and he's making an audible, we're taking it up one or two ticks. We got a smart fan base. We got an involved fan base. It was an unbelievable environment. Pat, you had a, a message to the fan base about fourth down. What is your message to the fan base on fourth down? People were going bananas on third down. I was shaking my keys. Guys, bring your keys to the game, even if you're not driving. You know, get a go to a, go to Home Depot and just buy like a set of like six keys on a ring and they could be your game day keys. You don't even need to use them to open any doors or drive uh, automobiles. But um, <laughs> third down is great. First down, second down, third down. That's fantastic. Guys, let's get loud on fourth down, please. Can we please be loud on fourth down? I didn't even see much, uh, you know, hand hand chopping, whatever that uh, that verbal cue is. Um, but I guess is that nonverbal? Whatever. Block that <laughs> kick. Like, I didn't see anyone cheering on fourth down. We need to be just as loud on fourth down, family. This is true. This is true. Also, quick shout out to Khalil Herbert on the let's go. I actually <laughs> liked it. Hey, it got people amped up. I was with y'all at that point. People were really, really buying into that. Can you awesome. imagine being him first time in Lane Stadium? As That's- an alumni? Woo! Woo! Crazy. That place would have went nuts for Khalil Herbert, man. Uh, and also, also, you know what? Let me add just one more point there. The number of current NFL players dude. and or and or former Virginia Tech athletes, football players that were in attendance – Phenomenal. Love so, it. So good to see all those guys back. Names in the house, Christian Darisol, Tim Settle, Terrell Edmonds, J.C. Coleman, Caleb Farley was there. Uh, who else, guys? Kendall I- Fuller was there. Kendall Fuller was there. Justin Robinson was there. Yep, five was uh, in town. I'm pretty sure Bruce was there. Bruce Smith, that's correct. Uh, Sean McClure. Star of the evening. Very uh Star-studded evening. It was awesome, man. It was it was really cool. Oscar was back in town. Dalton Keene was back in town. Rock Carmichael was uh, in town. Rock Carmichael was there as well. Old school. That's right. That's right. Um, so yeah, and then we'll really quickly run through the bad. Uh, Pat, kick us off with some of the bad. Uh, the bad from the game day, or not, or, or room for improvement. We won't say bad. We'll say room for improvement. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll, we'll call it how it is here. Um, this one. I'll kind of, I'm not going to say I'm going to backpedal, but I do want to come to a, uh, I want to meet you guys in the middle here with uh, rushing the field because, you know, we're playing North Carolina, in my opinion. And as far as I'm concerned, North Carolina is little brother. We've beaten them five out of six times. Um, and they're not a football school, you know? We beat them. I expected to beat them. A lot of us never had any doubt. Uh, about beating North Carolina. I didn't want folks to rush the field. You had no, you, you knew going into this. That's not, that's not what this conversation is about. This okay. is about rushing the field, not me okay. having doubts about the game or not. Like obviously in the fourth quarter, we've all seen the movie before, like obviously, right. but. Well, you cited um, it. So I was just, I was just responding to it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but the students, you know, they, I, I think, I think when you when you 
considering everything that they've been through. You know, you have you have kids coming back into town who graduated this past year and the prior year who had their senior year or uh, you know a lot of their college career kind of ripped away from them with COVID. Hadn't been to a football game in a really long time. And then you got a freshman class and a sophomore class who have never attended a game before in Lane Stadium. So you got these guys, all this bottled up energy. Everyone's excited. You're coming out of COVID. This is the first game that really America, in my opinion, has uh, has seen a, a fan base come together like this. Obviously, baseball has been going on. NBA was going on. But college football is where a fan base can have a palpable impact on an experience, uh, and on a, on a, uh, on a game. And I think the students and, and folks involved had every right to, to rush the field. And I was talking about this with my buddy, David Glenn. Um, you know, it was like the, we're finally back moment. So I'm still a little torn on the rushing the field part, but, uh, I do want to kind of walk back what I said. I know I said some things on Twitter that we shouldn't do it, but, you know, looking back on, on this weekend, it was, uh, it was worth it. And, it looked great. You know, those pictures of the folks up on the, uh, up on the uprights, that was pretty cool. There were some very awesome images, uh, that were captured. Speaking as a non-freshman, non-senior, non-sophomore who did do it, I had fun. Uh, I did enjoy it. Uh, I do hear where you're coming from 100%. Uh, and yeah, I think it definitely, the, the whole COVID situation boils down into it. And again, First time since 2009, like regardless of who we're, who we're playing for the first time to win a big time game like this at home, man, um, man, it was, it was surreal. Go hug somebody, go give somebody a hug. We talked about it on the preview. Yeah. Um, some other things, I'm not trying to be the fan police here, but, um, this was the students throwing stuff on the field, throwing stuff, uh, at the North Carolina staff and their players completely unacceptable. Just, you know, I don't care if it's a water bottle. I don't care if it's a Snickers bar. That is, you know, this isn't West Virginia. This isn't Lincoln Financial Field. You have zero right to just throw things um, at people. It's it's disrespectful and has no place in Lane Stadium. Um, and if somebody do it, reprimand said person. Police each other. Don't do that. They do not. We're not those people. Please, please don't do that. Call your people out. Um, on that note, also, I was sent some pictures or I saw some pictures circulating um, on Houston Street and an area in front of Gate 7 that was just an absolute mess. That's the student entrance. Um, guys, throw out your trash. It, like there was trash garbage everywhere and you had some folks picking it up um, afterwards. But just be a good person and, and throw out your trash because it looked horrible. Um, I say this tongue in cheek, if it's orange effect, wear orange to the game, you know, go to the bookstore, buy a t-shirt. Grayson bought a stick it in shirt for $8. Let's go. Wait, why Um, is this tongue in cheek? You wear orange, like bully your friends, like (laughs) wear orange. I went to the bookstore. They had no orange, anything. So I literally bought from campus Emporium, which charges a million dollars for everything. I bought a Virginia, uh, a logo less zero logo orange polo shirt and just put our, you know, our very good looking pin on the right uh, pectoral muscle. Um, and it, uh, and it looked great. So don't be that guy. You're not too cool to not wear orange. I promise. Like just wear orange. 
And if you have any superstitions like yours truly and have to wear a Michael Vick jersey every single game, you roll it all the way up so the orange T-shirt that you bought can hang out underneath. Wait, so you wore like a like a Michael Vick training bra to the game? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I did. And and guess what? It looked awesome. You couldn't put it under the thing. What do you mean you rolled it? I need to see some pictures of this. I go to my go to my go to my Instagram. Paul Patera's got some. Um, lastly for me, ESPN's camera crew was pretty poor. Um, yeah, this is, this is the primetime game. This is the first big time game, Friday night football, kicking off the college football season. And it's like, they had the B list camera crew. Um, you look at it you look at the highlights and you're like, is this in high definition? I can't even tell, you know, it's 2021. What are we doing? My uh, my qualms, I guess, from the game day experience, good Lord, guys, the concession lines in Lane Stadium. I get it. We're selling alcohol in Lane Stadium now. It was inevitable. It was inevitable that there was going to be a bomb rush of people to the concession lines. But okay, fine. There was like five people working in the concession stand that I was at. There's 66,000 people, 65,000 people in Lane Stadium. You're telling me that out of the maybe 15 to 20 concession stands, you have five people working back there to accommodate for all of that traffic? Like, they were running out of food. They were running out of water. They they ran out of beer. At one point, I had someone tell me that they got beer for free just so they could keep traffic moving and they were giving it away. So I, wish I knew what gate that was. I'm, yeah. I wish I did too. In the same, right. I don't know. I don't know if that was just kind of like a, a learning yeah, experience. So they, yeah. So I, we can bring some color to this. They were actually understaffed um, there. So I'm actually going to put out a PSA um, to our listeners here. Now, if you're listening to the podcast, more than likely you enjoy football. Yeah. I'll put this out as a PSA. For any of you that may have friends who, nothing wrong with this, may not like football, uh, they're understaffed at the concession stands. They're paying $26 an hour. $26 an hour is a lot of money. If you guys want to go live at the hub, that would go a long way in helping you pay that rent. So go check it out uh, and do concessions for football. They really need your help. Uh, And that is why the lines were so long. Well, didn't know that. You learn something new every day. I had a hunch. I had a hunch. But, I mean, also another thing to the fans who were being – I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. For the, to, the, to the fans and the stands who were being jackasses to the people behind the concession stands. It's not their fault, man. What are you doing? It's fault. like, come on. It's not their fault. So, like, be better. Their be job better. is impossible. I their missed, job is impossible. I probably missed, I would say – I was down there waiting in line for 30, anywhere in between 30 to 45 minutes. I missed the Keyshawn King fumble. I missed the Mario Kendrick sack. I missed a lot. But it's it's not their fault. Last point on this. This is not confirmed. If anybody has videos of it or information or more uh, highlights on it, please share. But rumor has it that anywhere between five <laughs> to 15,000 Extra people were let into Lane Stadium based upon the uh, student entrance being overran. When I was going to my seat about 45 minutes from kickoff, I saw students sprinting and like jumping over like railings and stuff. I'm like, what is going on? And that would make a ton of sense. 
So we've heard stories about even in Section 5, we had a bunch of students by us. Um, Grayson, I know your brother had people in his seats and they said that, oh, they were part of the, the flow over uh, and they were directing people to these different seats. So this, in all likelihood, if this is true, this is probably the most people that have ever been in Lane Stadium, I will say. Looked pretty awesome on television. Um, I did have my seat, so I wasn't that upset, upset about it. But um, yeah, I don't know a lot about that. But if somebody else has more color on that, I would love to know what the hell happened or if it happened at all. One last point. One last point. I know we said it was the last one. We probably should have taught Hokie Nation how to sell the mobile tickets because we did have some problems with that. That was a little tricky. Did they? Uh, yeah, yeah. They they probably should have included that in the uh, in the promotional video with Evan Hughes. So, Pat, Pat, you told me this. Thank God you were there, my knight in shining armor. You can't use screenshots, correct? You cannot. I was told screenshots are a no-go. Okay. So, if you are transferring your ticket, head on to the Hokey Ticket Mobile whatever app and just uh, transfer it. Do not send screenshots. And get that done before game day. Connections are always bad. Don't count on doing that on game day. It's not going to work. Um, but we'll close this out into letters in the lunch pail. Man, this is this – is, can't believe her. Rolling right through this here. First question from Karsten. Karsten. Question. Uh, <laughs> Do we get James Mitchell the ball more going forward? He creates the best mismatches, but only had three catches. We need to see more going forward to ha- keep having success. Karsten, uh, James Mitchell was targeted three times. He had three catches. I do think that we see him more often. Um, I think, like I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, our playbook seemed to be very limited. Um, again, the goal was to limit Sam Howell and limit the time that North Carolina was on the football field. Um, and this isn't like last year. Again, we have so many playmakers like Trey Turner, like um, Raheem Blackshear, like Tavion Robinson. Um, so it's going to be tough to get as many guys, as many touches as we think they should. And you need to remember, James Mitchell is on everybody's scouting report. They know exactly where James Mitchell is. They're lining guys up on James Mitchell, maybe lining up two guys on James Mitchell. So uh, I do think we get targeted more, but those are just a couple of things to keep in the back of your head. Grant Watson. I think that was Armani Chapman's best game ever in a Hokie uniform. I completely agree with you, Grant. How good can this defense be if he can continue to play like that? Definitely, uh, definitely align with you on the Armani Chapman take here. Um, if he can continue, it looks like he's really elevated his game. He looks bigger as well. Um, you know, these are some of the more talented receivers he's going to be matched up against. But um, th- I mean, this defense really has, uh, you know, has some high, has some uh, very high limits or low limits. <laughs> This defense uh, could have <laughs> limitless expectations if sky is the limit. The sky is the limit for this defense <laughs> if uh, if Chapman can continue to perform. How good can this football team be if this defense is this good? Because I remember we were talking about it before this podcast. We were saying, hey, if the defense can be marginally better, we're going to be in a good situation. I wasn't expecting our defense to be one of the best in the country uh, in one week. So uh, top point. ten. 10 points. We are top 10 in sacks and top 10 in, uh, I forget what the other interceptions, interceptions. That's right. Thank you, Pat, for bailing me out there. Um, Grayson, we got another submission from our good friend, Steve Bryce. My guy, Steve Bryce. Does this team have the emotional maturity to handle a big win possible top 25 ranking and praise from all of us this week, then actually come out 
and cover the spread against MTSU next week. To answer your question, Steve, yes, I do think that they have the emotional maturity to handle a big win like this one. Uh, Possible top 25 ranking. I'm not going to say we deserve that yet because I think preseason rankings are bull crap, and I want to see a little bit more out of these guys before we get there. Uh, Praise, absolutely, is absolutely warranted from Hokie Nation. We should be very proud of this team. Uh, And we should, I think we have the talent to come out and cover the spread against MTSU. uh, And I think we will. I think this team actually does have the emotional maturity to handle a top 25 ranking just because of how, how different this team is from a leadership perspective and how you have guys who've been around the program or like a guy like Jordan Williams, who's been around a program that's been, you know, consistently in the top four uh, I think this team should be ranked in the top 25. I think they can handle it as well. But, um, you know, I'm not going to actually believe that until we uh, we are able to cover next week. So, Steve, totally understand where you're coming from with those questions, but I think the leadership is the game changer with this group of guys. I would also say one of the more annoying things, I'm going to call out uh, ball down more down the field, more and more tri- uh, uh, group chat, saying that I hope we aren't ranked. I think that's pretty dumb. Uh, I actually would like our team to be ranked and getting national attention as much as possible. It's good from a recruiting aspect. If our team can't handle it, then that's on our team. I don't want our team to not be nationally relevant because our team might get scared. That's one of the stupidest thought processes I've ever heard in my life. Sure. Yeah. Call out. Sure. Uh, Pete McGee, how do the Hokies avoid a letdown game to MTSU or Richmond or later in conference play? Are any of you worried about that happening? History says we should be. 1A, do y'all buy that history haunts this program? The second part of this question is, what do y'all think of preseason rankings in general? Well, Pete, I just said I think they're bullcrap. To answer your first question, how do they avoid a letdown game? And am I worried about that happening? To be honest with you, abso-freaking-lutely I am. You're worried about losing to Middle Tennessee. Can you just be honest? Not Middle Tennessee. Not Middle Tennessee. Uh, I'm more worried about Richmond, to be honest. Uh, But I'm worried about one of those games, yes, happening based on history. It's happened in the past, and that means it can happen again. How do we avoid it? Uh, Just don't ride the high too much of the UNC game too hard. Get straight back to work, and they did that yesterday, already in pads, already practicing again, getting ready to go to work against MTSU. Uh, And I I think these guys are level-headed. I think that uh, the coaching staff knows – I hope they know that how important winning this game against Middle Tennessee State after this big win against UNC is. Buy a lot of points. I don't want Braxton Burmeister screwing around on the field in the fourth quarter. Yes, I want him show a great point. I want him drinking Hawaii uh, Hawaiian punch on the sideline, talking to you know uh, Jimmy Taj Mitchell. Bullock. Yeah, no Taj Bullock being like, "Hey Taj, great throw. You look great. Good stuff." Would love to see Knox Kadem get some yeah. reps or whoever it is in this game. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to see some young guys play, get some burn, because we're probably going to need them later on in the season um, to contribute. Um, no, I, I like the senior leadership on this team. I think this staff, more than most staffs, probably has some experience with getting uh, getting ready uh, for games like this. Um, but it just feels different, man. It, it does. And also, I'll call out. Fans, show up, man. Show up. Got a good team. So uh, I'll, I'll quote I'll quote Bryce Chalkley on this. Sometimes it's good to get in your car and go watch your team win. And that is what's supposed to happen against the Middle Tennessee State type team. So show up, be loud, wear white, and win the football game. 
Next question comes from James Copeland. Love this question. Single moment from this game, you caught yourself saying, wow. Uh, I'll go first. Mine is definitely the Mario Kendrick sack uh, where he just pulled him and threw him. Uh, it was a huge play uh, early in the game. So thank you, Mario. Super Mario Kendricks. This one's easy for me. Um, this is Jamari Connor absolutely uh, chopping the guy in half in the fourth quarter. Um, you mean Chapman? Chapman, sure. Sorry, I got I got our stud uh, defensive backs mixed up. Um, Chapman uh, absolutely destroying that guy in the bubble screen. I would say the Jimmy Mitchell touchdown. I, I, he came out of nowhere. Uh, didn't expect him to catch that pass at all. And that's not to his discredit, just to be clear. But when he came <laughs> out of nowhere, there in the back of the end zone, I'm like, damn, it's crazy. Okay, a long question here from uh, Dr. John Cran. Um, a question for Billy as a former player. One of the trends I noticed is our offense often comes out following on all cylinders. On Lasers podcast, Cornelson says he often has the first couple of series scripted. That is true. Usually we have about uh, 20 plays that are scripted um, going into any football game. Yesterday it worked perfectly with misdirection and really good execution, but as the game progressed, it seemed to go a little flat. There was definitely some execution issues, but I'm wondering if you think the play calling gets too conservative later in that game or if our opponent just makes adjustments that we aren't responding to feel like we beat them by more than seven points and maybe we should have. I agree, John. I think we should have beaten them by more seven than seven points. I also think <clears throat> this is game one. Um, the game plan was pretty obvious. It was to run the ball and keep the uh, ball out of Sam Howell's hands. There were multiple times in this game, if you go back and you look at the ESPN breakdown, uh, when we were in third and longs or even um, uh, in third and over tens, we were taking shots trying to convert. The one time uh, where I still agree that it was the right thing to do, but most people probably will not, was towards the end of the half uh, where we got conservative. Um, I had zero interest in giving Sam Howell the ball back uh, and giving them any chance to score. Um, I know people were frustrated with running the ball three straight times there. Um, given Coach Cornelson and Coach Fuente's history, if you pop one of those for eight yards, maybe you take a shot. Maybe you try to go get some points, but um, – the offense did enough to win this football game, uh, and the defense continuously rose to the occasion. Um, that's a good football team that we played. Um, so I, I think it'll get better and better. We'll start seeing some more plays being called and some more guys getting involved. Um, but uh, but there's definitely talent, and we saw some great things from the offense this past week. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, all the way in here, um, because I definitely agreed with, with everything there. Um, the second half was extremely concerning. I should have put this in my dislikes. We did not score a point in the third quarter again. Um, we had some significant issues moving the ball in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter. Um, and with a, we are extremely lucky that we have a defense to bail us out and hold Carolina to only 10 points because uh, we could have been in some serious trouble. And, um, you know, I like to go check out Pete BVT. Like to read what he has to say um, because he's always going to bring facts to the table, and he'll he'll bring us down to earth if we need to be brought down to earth. But just uh, putting some numbers out there, he says our first three drives versus Carolina, seventy yards per drive. The last eight drives of the game, eleven yards per drive. Um, we started six of six on third down and finished zero for our last seven. So there is a lot of room to improve here. 
on offense, moving the ball down the field um, in close games because we really, really, really should have put Carolina away. Uh, probably should have won the game, you know, by at least um, seven more points, in my opinion. But um, just wanted to throw it out there because there's a lot of room for this team to improve on the offensive side of the ball. To your point, Pat, we had uh, that that third quarter, which is which is a great point, has been a a, a real issue. For this team, we had 51 total yards in the third quarter, and we ran 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 plays in the third quarter. So the third quarter was basically the first quarter for North Carolina. The script yeah. kind of flew. Um, but the third quarter, I agree with you. That's been a, a big problem with this with this, uh, with this this offense, and uh, we, need to, we need to figure that out. We need to figure that out. All right. So let's move on over. To shout-outs that make us smile, brought to you by our friends at the Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry. We have a lot of shout-outs, guys. Um, so bear with us because we are just about finished up here. I want to start out shouting out two families uh, that were very helpful with hospitality this past week, the Yetzi family and the Upton family. Yes, Shout out to both of you guys. Uh, I was fantastic um, seeing all of you in Blacksburg. Want to shout out John Laser and the Clean Mountain Air t-shirt launch party on Tuesday. That was a lot of fun. Go ahead and uh, and check out John's Twitter. The t-shirts fit tremendously. Um, shoot him a DM. Right yeah, Billy's wearing his right now. Figure out how to get uh, how to get one of those t-shirts in your hands. D Cunna. And Chris Coleman got to actually meet both of them in person for the first time this past week, which was great. Those guys at TSL, they do a great job. Um, so hats off, to, hats off to them. The basketball guys, Storm Murphy, Coach Mike Young, uh, Coach Giltner got to meet Mike Jones, Coach Webby. We got it. We got to link up with Coach Webby next week um, and Coach Custis and everyone over there. But um, awesome seeing them. Got some Suvlaki with Storm, sons of Sons of Euros. Um, my man, Kishav, in Section 5, he was the man, class of 2025, at his first game as a student. Seth Carlton and his dance moves. Seth was all over Hokie Vision throughout the entire game. Bailey Angle on the MC. Chris Riegerd for not taking a single playoff. Ooh. I swear, we're up 52 to nothing, uh, and Chris Riegerd would be yelling on defense. Mark Fain, we do not want you back in our fan oh. base. Mark Fain, sorry. This is, the, you know, this bus is full, man. I'm sorry. We do not want you back over here. Um, that's a Twitter inside joke if, uh, if you don't understand that. Um, check out sonsofsaturday.com for merchandise. Love seeing it all over campus. And uh, we're going to be posting about it a lot more. The Georgia Clemson game was fun, but not nearly as fun as Virginia Tech and North Carolina. And then shout out to the Craigs, the Craig family for having myself and Chris Riggard over at Lake Norman uh, to wind down the weekend. It was a fantastic day on the lake. Grayson, take it away. Yes, sir. First off, shout out to Billy Ray and Pat, man. That was the second time all three of us have ever been in Blacksburg together. This We were there from, well, Bill and Pat were there Monday to pretty much the end of the week. I was there Tuesday to the end of the week. We had a blast. Such a fun week with you guys. Uh, I can't wait to run it back here real soon. Want to do a few quick shout-outs. JJ at Sharkies, you're the man. Thank you so much for this Thursday. You know what I'm talking about. 
Shout out to my brother, Carrie, and his girlfriend, his girlfriend, MK, for letting me roll last Tuesday. Shout out to the Airbnb crew, Griff, Jules, Sam, Billy Ray, Carrie, MK, Riles, and Dylan. Shout out to the GC boys and an awesome tailgate environment over there. That was the first time I'd ever really hung out. Shout out to Storm Murphy. And then shout out to my parents for letting me come home, get surgery for the month of August. I go back to Los Angeles tomorrow evening. Guys, if y'all don't have anything else, well, what I would a- like to do my shout outs too. If you right, know. right, right, right. <laughs> That's important. Shout out to Billy Ray. Uh, shout out, shout out to my pops. Uh, we missed you this weekend. Um, hopefully we can get you in, uh, get you in the stands this year. If not next, uh, definitely next year. Uh, I want to shout out coach Tyler and Danielle Bartlestein for getting engaged. That is super cool. Um, talk about an absolute power couple. Um, hopefully there are more pairings between Virginia tech and the college football playoff in the future. Um, I like, that was actually a great transition. I'm pretty proud of that. Uh, shout out to Terrell, my guy ran into him, uh, shout out to Cornell Cranham, uh, for doing his thing on the sideline with Lays this weekend. That was awesome. Uh, Trent Young, Oscar, Dalton Keene, uh, Blaine Fink, talk to her a little bit. Hokie club, early alumni. Uh, she's doing her thing. I believe she said she was in Richmond and, uh, I in Charleston, which is exciting. Dr. J, a section five add on. She was fantastic. We got some awesome stuff coming up with her. Shout out to Griff. Shout out to Delaney. Shout out to Carrie at the, uh, playing at the bar and uh, shout out to Chris Stinkle, even though she did not make it to the game. Unfortunately, and shout out to the town of Blacksburg, man. That was awesome. I know we're missing a ton of people, but I cannot wait to be back for Notre Dame. Um, man, that was a ton of fun. Let's keep this thing rolling, fellas. See y'all on Saturday. Middle Tennessee State is going down. I'll be at Bubs. I'll be at O'Brien's LA. I'm coming home. <laughs> Section 5, we'll see you again. Go Hokies. To wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand. But I saw you dance like you want to in my head. And all that she said is, Oh, I know just what you're thinking. to you and-